Little One. Written by Mesh Tams on Archive of Our Own. Read by Demon Feed Audio. I, I think there's something wrong with me. Harry sat, his head in his hands, across from his therapist. Why do you think there's something wrong with you, Harry? Laura's voice was neutral as ever. Harry had been seeing her for nearly three months now, ever since the end of the war. And although she was a muggle, so he couldn't tell her anything about the war, she'd already helped him a lot, especially with processing the trauma he'd experienced as a child. It's just, I keep finding myself acting like, like a little kid. Like, I just got a TV, right? And I always end up watching cartoons, which on its own, not too weird, right? But then I end up feeling younger and like sucking my thumb or whatever, and it's just weird. Oh, Harry, what you're describing sounds like you're experiencing age regression or a little space. Laura smiled softly at him. I don't know what that means. Harry knew he sounded pouty, but he couldn't help it. He just wanted someone to wave their hand at him and bippity-boppity-boo make him normal. Age regression is when someone mentally reverts to a younger age than they are. It can be intentional or accidental, and it isn't uncommon in those with traumatic childhoods like your own. It is a perfectly healthy coping mechanism, and there's nothing wrong with it. Often people who age regress refer to their younger mindsets as little me, or define themselves as littles. I've had quite a few patients before who have been littles, so I can assure you there's nothing weird about it. But, but it's freakish, I... Normally Laura wouldn't cut him off when he was speaking, but sometimes the situation required it. Stop. That is one of the words we agreed you would avoid. Now, do you actually find the idea of little space weird, or do you just feel like you ought to due to your childhood? I... It's weird, isn't it? Adults acting like little kids? Harry's face was screwed up. Does it feel weird to you? When you found yourself regressing before, has it felt wrong or strange? Well, no. It feels... nice. But then afterwards, I just can't help but think of how much of a freak I am. Maybe the Dursleys were right about me. Harry's eyes were filled with tears. They absolutely were not... There's nothing about age regression that makes you a freak. If you met another little, would you think they were a freak? Harry thought for a second. No. Laura smiled. That is exactly what I want you to remember. If you wouldn't consider another person a freak for acting in the same way you do, or using the same perfectly health and coping mechanisms you do, then you need to remember that it is not suddenly wrong just because you're the one doing it. Do you understand? I... Yeah. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Harry felt his mouth curve into a slight smile. There isn't anything wrong with me. Between now and next week, I would like for you to do some research into age regression, alright? Think on things you might like to have when you regress, such as toys or pacifiers. Harry's face flamed at that, but he felt a spark of interest deep in his chest. Perhaps look into setting up a safe space for when you regress, and I'm sure you'll be able to find lots of examples of the types of spaces other littles have set up online. And I know you've told me before that you have a laptop, so that shouldn't be a problem. And perhaps even think on whether you would, eventually, like to find a caregiver or a carer. Can you do that? Yes, 
Yeah, I can, I can look into it. Excellent. Well, unless you have any questions? Harry shook his head. Then I will see you next week. As soon as Harry got home, he grabbed his laptop and headed to his bedroom. He got changed into his pajamas, curled up, and powered it on, anxiously rubbing his thumb over his chewed bottom lip. As soon as the laptop, the newest on the market when he'd bought it a month ago after moving into his new house, powered on, he opened Internet Explorer and typed in age regression. The first website was a notice board for littles and caregivers to post about their experiences, and before he knew it, he'd spent almost two hours scrolling through the site. Seeing other people experiencing the same thing he was, and even having some of the same insecurities around it he did, was comforting, to say the least. The part of the website that entranced him most, though, was the image gallery. There were pictures of little safe spaces, outfits, toys. He wanted it all. He'd never been allowed any of the nice things Dudley had when he was growing up, especially not the lovely clothes like he saw some of the other people on there wearing. He almost gasped when he found a picture of another boy around his age in a pair of blue dungarees and a blue t-shirt with pink around the collar, with a fluffy brown teddy bear hoodie over it. He felt a longing deep inside him. He wanted to be dressed like that. He checked the comments on the picture and saw that there were numerous people asking him where he'd got the outfit, and he had replied to a few, pointing them to a store on the outskirts of London that catered mainly to littles and age players, but that some people who just enjoyed the aesthetic of clothes they offered, particularly the more everyday pastels, also frequented. Apparently, the store held everything from clothes, shoes, and pajamas, to toys and plushies, to everything you could need to set up a safe space. Harry checked the time, but it was almost 6 p.m. The shop would be closed. He checked the next day's opening times and set a Tempest charm to wake him up at 8 a.m. so he could go as soon as they opened. He was giddy with excitement over visiting the store next day as he continued his research. One thing he realized he really, really wanted was a caregiver. No one had ever looked after him when he was younger, and he couldn't help but think it would be nice to be looked after while he was little. He knew, however, that he wouldn't want to have a caregiver who wasn't also his partner, which caused even more issues than the age regression in general. He didn't just want to have someone, even Ron or Hermione, looking after him. And ideally, he would want to be in a romantic relationship with someone who would also be his caregiver. Otherwise, he would be more comfortable regressing alone. It wasn't news to anyone, especially himself, that he was a very private person. Part of it was his nature, and part was caused by his childhood. But either way, the idea of regressing around someone he wasn't emotionally and romantically invested in made him uncomfortable as opposed to the safe feeling he got at the idea of having a caregiver who was also his partner. The main issue with this, however, was that he had been in love with someone for years, and he was certain that even if he could somehow convince Draco Malfoy to be his boyfriend, he wouldn't want to be his caregiver. He flopped back onto his bed with a sigh, closed his laptop, and curled up to go to sleep. His wand woke him up the next morning, and he groaned blearily waving his hand to cancel the spell. But a few seconds after he flopped back down onto his bed, a smile worked its way onto his face as he remembered why he'd set the alarm in the first place. He practically jumped out of the bed, excitedly getting dressed and checking the store location on his laptop before apparating to an alleyway further down the street.
He couldn't keep the bounce out of his step or the smile off his face as he made his way to the shop, and as soon as he stepped inside, he had to just stop for a moment to take it all in. The outside of the store had been nondescript, large but with a neutral colored sign and nothing to give away the wonders inside. It was tall, with multiple floors, but that was the only thing that stood out even a little. The inside, however, it was incredible. The first floor was full of clothing, clothing that he actually wanted to wear. He'd never had much interest in clothes beyond envy at Dudley when he was younger, but suddenly he wanted to redo his entire wardrobe with clothes from this shop. To be fair, his wardrobe could probably do with a makeover, or even just being set on fire and replaced. And it wasn't as if he needed to worry about the money. He'd been provided with a Gringotts bank card that would be accepted in both Muggle and Wizarding stores so he no longer had to go to the bank, as he, Ron, and Hermione had been banned after their escape with the cup. The person behind the counter looked rather out of place among the pastels and bright colors. They were tall and dressed in all black, with dyed black hair, but they gave him a cheery smile as he walked in. Hi, if you need any help just give me a shout, all right? He nodded still a little stunned by the array of clothes. He quickly realized that the clothes were organized in a certain way. More simple, neutral clothes that could pass as just an aesthetic choice were in the rails closer to the front, and as he moved further back, the clothing got more and more childish, until the back wall had adult-sized baby grows. These didn't particularly appeal to him personally, but his arms were exceedingly full by the time he made it to them. He had everything from colorful jeans, shorts, and dungarees, to leggings, to t-shirts, to jackets, to button-ups with cute designs all over them, to all different kinds of sweaters. He walked into the dressing room and carefully hung each item up, ready to try them on. And with each outfit, as soon as he looked in the mirror, he grinned. This was him. This was what he looked like. He had made sure he had plenty of more socially acceptable pieces, although they were mostly still in pastel colors, which he found himself much more drawn to than the bright colors. They made him feel more soft and comfortable, whereas the bright colors just felt wrong, and he was sure that he could probably pass off even a few of the more little clothes he picked, like a few t-shirts for cartoons he'd been enjoying, or a few plush jackets modeled after characters or animals, as fashion choices. But some of them he knew he would probably never wear out of his house. That was okay, though, because he could still enjoy wearing them at home. Once he'd tried everything on, he took the big pile back towards the counter. Um, hi. Do you mind if I leave these here while I go to the other floors? He inquired quietly. The person behind the counter grinned sunnily. Absolutely. Just pass them here and you can get them when you're done. Thanks, Harry smiled back, turning away and heading up the stairs onto the second floor. The second floor was a bit less interesting, but it was still full of things he wanted or needed. It was mostly underwear, socks, and pajamas, although he could see a stand of nappies on one corner. He picked out lots of new underwear, feeling very aware that he was still wearing hand-me-downs from a ten-year-old Dudley, and they were still too large for his petite frame. He mostly got plain pastels, although one pack of cat-dog box shorts were selected, and he went a bit crazy on the socks getting more than 20 multi-packs because they were all just too cute to pass up. The pajama section was wonderful, particularly because his current pajamas had been worn since second year. 
He picked out fluffy bottoms, big soft t-shirts, fleecy jumpers, a dressing gown, and even a couple of onesies. One was a pastel pink dragon, and the other was a blue dinosaur. So he wasn't sure how he could possibly be expected to pass them up. He took everything back down to the counter and left them with the employee again, before heading up to the third floor. The third floor was filled with shoes, accessories, and a few more little specific items, like dummies, bottles, and sippy cups. He started at the shoes, picking out multiple pairs that he thought would look nice with his new outfits. Mostly he chose high tops, because when he tried them on, they felt far more comfortable, although he did get two pairs of low-top fans, one in pink and the other in blue. In the accessories, he picked out two different bags. One was very childish, with dinosaurs all over it and a dinosaur plush keychain attached, and the other was more wearable for every day, a muted lilac with no designs, but the inside had lots of little pockets that he thought would be perfect for carrying things back when he was at Hogwarts. He also found a pack of five different pastel beanie hats, each with a different colored tag on the front, and a plush My Melody hat that felt incredibly soft. When he was finally in the more little-specific area, he put his items down on the floor in a messy pile so he could wander around more freely. He ended up grabbing a bunch of different pacifiers, because a lot of the littles on the websites he had been on the night before had mentioned they found them much nicer than sucking on their thumbs, and he was sure he would agree. He also picked up a sippy cup with a cat dog in it, because that was currently his absolute favorite show to watch. Like with the previous floors, he took his rather large pile of shoes and other items down to the counter before moving on to the fourth floor. This floor was filled with all different kinds of toys, plushies, and children's books, and he grabbed as many as he could carry, spending about 20 minutes trying to select the perfect plush. He ended up picking out a white dragon from Jellycat that reminded him of Draco. Very regal-looking. His favorite thing other than his plushie were a set of blue alphabet blocks and a Sanrio coloring book with pastel-colored Crayola crayons. The final floor had everything from blankets and bedding, to curtains, to furniture perfect for setting up a little space, and he wanted it all. He had to ask the person at the counter if they did home delivery for the furniture, and luckily for him, they did. It was the same day when it was all delivered to his front door, and he used magic to help him set it up all in his bedroom. He considered using the guest room instead, but he didn't want Ron and Hermione to see it when they stayed over. He still wasn't entirely sure what all this meant himself, so he certainly wasn't ready to tell them. He was very glad he was a wizard, however, when it came to repainting his room. When he first moved in, he'd left the entire house the same white it had been before. But now his bedroom was a soft pastel blue with white clouds sponged on, the only part of the paint he had to do manually as opposed to with one of the paint swatches Hermione had given him as a move-in gift. He had three new wardrobes, all painted pastel colors, one yellow, one pink, and one purple, and a set of drawers painted a light mint green, and he replaced his simple striped duvet and curtains with the super soft purple ones he'd gotten. With the addition of a plain white nightstand with cloud handles with a super cute dinosaur lamp and a dinosaur patterned rug, his room was complete and perfect. Mate, you're wearing pink? were Ron's first words when he saw him. Harry shifted self-consciously. He was wearing pink corduroy dungarees, a blue cloud-patterned sweater, and blue high-top shoes with pink dinosaurs on them. Hermione stood on her tiptoes and smacked her boyfriend around the head. Ronald! Honestly! 
Harry, you look very nice. It's good to see you finally wearing nice clothes instead of your uncle's and cousin's hand-me-downs. Thanks, Miney. Harry smiled. Laura recommended I choose some of my own clothes to sort of cut the tie between me and the Dursleys. It wasn't a lie. She had said as much multiple times in the past few months. He just hadn't bothered until now. Well, you certainly look a lot better. Yeah, right, mate. You look... Yeah, I mean, it's pink, but I guess it's all right. Better than your old clothes. Ron shrugged and Harry grinned at him. Thanks, mate. Hi, Harry. How are you feeling? Laura asked him as he sat down. Better, I think. Did you do the research I asked you to do last week? Harry nodded vehemently. I did it as soon as I got home, and then the day after, I went to the store that sells lots of stuff for littles, and I got new clothes there. Do you like them? He babbled excitedly, sticking out his leg to show off his yellow jeans and his white Converse shoes. They're much nicer than your old clothes, don't you agree? He nodded again. Have you allowed yourself to regress again in the past week? Yeah, a few times. I did it on purpose Saturday so I could see what it would feel like, and it was really nice. He blushed as he admitted that. That's good. You'll be going back to boarding school in a few weeks, won't you? Yes. I'm, I'm a bit nervous about it. But not too bad, because Ron and Hermione will be there, but also... You remember what I told you about Draco? She nodded. It had barely been two sessions before he'd broken down and admitted his feelings for his school rival to her. Well, he'll be there too, and I'm just... I'm nervous about all that. Harry, it's perfectly natural to be nervous about seeing someone you have feelings for. I'm assuming that your age regression has not helped in this? I... well... You you know you told me to think about the whole caregiver thing? Laura didn't express any surprise at the abrupt change in topic, but just nodded her head. Well, I think... I think I'd like that, but not with someone who wasn't also my boyfriend or girlfriend. But because I've been in love with Draco for years, even though I tried not to be, that basically means I want Draco to be my di- caregiver, but he'd probably punch me if he ever found that out. Harry tangled his hands into his hair and pulled slightly. Deep breaths, Harry. Try not to pull on your hair, okay? I think that, at least for now, you need to focus on getting more comfortable in yourself and your age regression without thinking about bringing a caregiver into the equation. I also think that whilst you're at school, you might want to try and get closer to Draco and see if he reacts negatively or positively to you. Is there somewhere in your school you will be able to safely regress? This this year our dorms are single person, so my room will be okay for that, I think. I can take most of the things I got from my little space with me and just put them in there. That's excellent. Now, for the next few weeks, I think we should work on getting you more prepared for school and having your appointments only every month instead of every week like we have been. Alright? That... that makes sense. Platform 9 and 3 quarters was possibly more crowded than Harry had ever seen it, and there were reporters all over the place. They all kept trying to talk to Harry or snap photographs of him, and he had to dig his fingernails into his palms to stop himself from screaming. It was just too much. It was even worse when he got onto the Hogwarts Express and Hermione and Ron had to disappear to the prefect's cabin. McGonagall had agreed that the eighth-year students, who would have been prefects during their seventh year, would retain their prefect status, with the exception of Draco.
Harry tried to find any of his friends on the train, but it seemed they had all congregated into one cabin. Luna and Ginny, Neville, Dean, and Seamus, along with Hannah Abbott and Susan Bones from Hufflepuff, were crowded into the seats, leaving no room for Harry. He found an empty compartment near the end, one of the ones most students avoided because they were freezing cold, and placed his shrunken trunk on the luggage rack before flopping onto one of the benches. He laid down on his back with his eyes closed until someone slid open the door. Oh, Potter. Draco Malfoy stood in the doorway, and Harry felt his jaw drop. Draco was wearing black drainpipe jeans, Doc Martens, and a cut-up black tank top, and his arms were covered with heavy, colorful tattoos. I'm really sorry, but would you mind if I sat in here? Draco shifted uncomfortably. Yeah, sure, why? Harry pulled himself up into a sitting position, wrapping his arms around his skinny legs. Well, none of my friends have returned this year, and Luna is with her friends. Draco shrugged awkwardly. Yeah, right, I saw that. Sure, you can you can sit in here. Ron and Hermione are still prefects, so... Right, good, I suppose. I have a feeling they'd both hex me otherwise, Draco remarked and Harry cracked a lopsided grin. Ron might, but I reckon Hermione'd go for a punch, he joked. Draco winced. She's rather strong for someone nearly as small as you, I have to say. Yeah, she... It suddenly hit Harry what Draco had said. Hey, I'm not small. Draco hadn't sat down yet, so he leaned against the compartment door and raised an eyebrow. Are you sure about that? In the past, Harry might have thought Draco was trying to make him angry, but now it seemed more like he was teasing him. I'm not that short. Harry stood up and then abruptly realized that he barely came up to Draco's chest. He crossed his arms and pouted. Not my fault you're freakishly tall. Draco smiled almost indulgently before raising a mocking brow. I'm six foot two. That is a perfectly normal height. You can only be around... Five foot. I'm five foot one. Harry flopped back down onto his seat, pouting again. Which is short, Draco teased good-naturedly. It's not a bad thing, he added, more quietly, finally sitting down across from Harry. Harry put his head on his knees and tilted his face towards Draco. Malnourishment, he shrugged. Laura had been trying to convince him to be more open about his childhood, and had recommended he try and get closer to Draco, so he saw it as ticking two boxes at once. Besides, I don't really mind being short anyway. He smiled. Hmm. I had noticed your... your issues with food, Draco said a little awkwardly. If you ever... need someone to talk about it, I'm sure you'd feel more comfortable going to Weasley or Granger, of course, but... If you like, you can talk to me, too. Thanks, Draco. Shock flashed across Draco's face for the barest of seconds before he smiled softly. You're welcome, Harry. Harry's first class back on Monday morning was potions, and although he shared it with Ron and Hermione, they wanted to sit together, naturally. When Slughorn made the announcement that whoever they partnered with that day would be their partner for the rest of the year, including in their projects, Harry made a rather impulsive decision and dropped into the seat beside Draco, 
carefully placing his backpack against the table leg. Draco turned to him, surprised. Why are you sitting here? Draco winced, clearly realizing how rude that came out, and Harry couldn't stifle a giggle. Ron and Hermione are partnering together, so I'm partnering with you, if that's all right with you. Well, yes, that's fine. Draco looked confused. Are you sure? Absolutely I am, Harry nodded, rolling his eyes. Just then, Slughorn called the class's attention back to him, and Harry and Draco both turned back to the front. Time was passing rather pleasantly for Harry. His classes were going well. They actually had a competent defense professor for once. He had two appointments with Laura since returning, and they both had gone very well. He'd been spending at least two nights a week allowing himself to regress, particularly after slightly more stressful days, and he was genuinely becoming friends with Draco, which was a marked improvement from the antagonism of their past. Sometimes, Draco would even look at him in a way that made him feel almost like there was a possibility his feelings could be returned, although he tried not to get his hopes up. The pleasantness was broken, however, when in his last period on Friday, their defense professor, Professor Everglade, announced that they would be learning legilimency. According to him, knowing legilimency would make learning occlumency far easier, and that was something they needed to know for their newts. Immediately, the idea of having to learn occlumency again terrified Harry, but when Everglade announced that they would be learning legilimency through casting it out on their partners, as there was no way for a mist-cast legilimens to be harmful, it would simply not work. Harry felt his hands start to shake. His partner for the class was Neville, which was definitely not the worst person he could have been partnered with, particularly now he had his own wand and could cast properly, but he was still scared of what he might see. Everglade cast a spell of secrecy over them all, making sure they could not reveal any of the memories they saw from one another, but honestly... Harry didn't even want Neville to see anything. He would be mortified if Neville saw almost any of his memories, and he knew from his lessons with Snape that trying to hide certain memories only made them more likely to be seen. So Harry just sat there and tried not to think about anything while Neville practiced the spell. It took about three tries before Neville's legilimens broke through, and Harry was violently flung into a memory from when he was around nine. Harry was sobbing trying to pull away from Uncle Vernon's meaty hand, but the large man just dug his fat fingers harder into the bones of Harry's shoulder. Boy, how many times have I told you we will not tolerate your freakishness in this household? Vernon's voice boomed. Sorry, Uncle Vernon, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't... Harry whimpered as he was thrown to the floor. Vernon unhooked his belt from his trousers and wrapped the end without the buckle attached around his hand. He swung the other side down onto Harry's back, the metal buckle tearing through the ratty old t-shirt he was wearing and biting into Harry's heavily scarred back. He was visibly malnourished, every knob of his spine jutting out violently through his brown skin. Harry could feel the blood welling out the wound, but he could barely focus on the sensation before the belt was swung again, the crack sounding as leather flew through the air, and... Neville pulled back. His eyes were wide and panicked. Fuck, Harry, I'm sorry, I... Harry bolted. He ran out of the room, tears streaming down his face, and blindly tried to make his way towards the eighth-year tower. He thought he was about halfway there when he slammed into another body. The person let out a soft, oof, 
and Harry felt their large, thin fingers rest against his shoulder. He flinched, but then settled when they didn't dig in. Harry, are you all right? Draco's voice was laced with concern. Harry looked up at the blonde through his tears and just sobbed. Okay, okay, you're okay. Come here. Harry felt himself be pulled against Draco's chest and wrapped his arms around his waist. Draco slowly guided them into one of the alcoves nearby and leaned them against the wall, holding Harry tight and letting him cry heavily against him. When Harry started to calm down, Draco spoke again. What happened? I was, I was in defense, and Nev cast the gentleman's, and he saw, he saw Uncle Vernon, and, and now he's gonna know I'm a freak. Harry wailed, pressing his damp face back into Draco's shirt. Draco knew enough by now about Harry's childhood to know that whatever Longbottom had seen must have been fairly horrifying. Oh, Harry, you're okay. You're not a freak, I promise. Look, sweetheart. The term of endearment just fell naturally from his lips. Longbottom won't think you're a freak. He might feel sad for you, but he won't think you're a freak. Draco stroked his hand down the side of Harry's cheek, wiping away the tear streaks gently. He will, and now you've seen me crying and you're going to think I'm a freak too. Harry's lower lip wobbled. No, I don't think you're a freak at all. Come on, do you want me to help you get back to your room? Draco knew that Harry needed to be taken care of in that moment, and he would be damned if he was going to let the boy he'd been in love with since they were eleven go without the support he clearly needed. Yes, please. Harry's voice was small younger sounding than Draco had ever heard it, and he felt something inside him melt. Every fiber in his being was screaming at him to look after this precious boy, and he certainly wasn't going to argue. Harry took his hand as they headed out into the corridor, and Draco squeezed it reassuringly. Luckily, almost everyone else was still in class, so they didn't come across anyone on their way up to the tower. So it didn't take too long until they were stood outside Harry's dorm. Harry was still holding Draco's hand in a vice grip, but he pushed his door open and Draco smiled to himself when he saw the room. Harry's new clothes had been a huge change from how he used to dress, but the pastel colors suited him well, and Draco was somewhat glad to see that he'd brought them into his dorm as well, although some of the decor was a little more... childish than he had expected. His desk was littered with muggle crayons and coloring books and children's storybooks, and there was a white dragon plush toy on his bed. Harry immediately let go of his hand and ran over to his wardrobe, pulling out what looked to Draco just like a pink pile of fluff and disappearing into his bathroom. He was about to leave when Harry walked back in wearing the pink fluff, which Draco could now see was some sort of one-piece pajama that was made to look like a cartoon dragon. He looked adorable, and Draco had to smile a little. Can you stay? Harry's voice was very small and childlike, and Draco absolutely couldn't say no. Of course I can. As soon as he finished, he found himself once again with his arms full of Harry. The smaller boy clung to him, pressing his face into his shoulder and wrapping his legs around him. He reached up and tugged the cute hood down from Harry's head so he could card his fingers through his thick curls. You okay, little one? Will you read to me? Harry asked blinking his big green eyes asymmetrically as he looked up into Draco's face. If you like, do you want to pick a book? 
Harry dropped his legs and ran across the room to his desk, fumbling through a pile of storybooks until he found the one he wanted, while Draco moved over the bed and towed off his boots, settling himself upright against the headboard on one side. Harry practically leapt at the bed once he had located the book he wanted and thrust it at Draco's chest before rooting around his bedside table and pulling out a pacifier. It was a large, hardback book with some sort of minotaur drawn on the front called Where the Wild Things Are. Harry scooped up his dragon and leaned against Draco's shoulder so he could look at the illustrations. Draco cleared his throat softly and started reading. The night Max wore his suit and made mischief of one kind and another, his mother called him Wild Thing. Harry fell asleep on his shoulder just over halfway through the book, and Draco couldn't keep the fond smile off his face. He gently adjusted Harry so that he was comfortable and pressed a soft kiss against his curly hair. He started to stand up and leave when Harry whimpered in his sleep and reached out for him. He moved a little closer and watched the way Harry relaxed once he had Draco's arm in his grasp. He sighed and, moving as little as possible, kicked off his jeans and deposited the book he was still holding on the ground next to them. He untucked one edge of the duvet from around Harry and pulled it over himself, settling in beside him and wrapping an arm around his shoulders. Harry latched onto him like a monkey, wrapping himself around Draco's lean form. Draco smiled softly and let his eyes droop, holding Harry close. Draco woke up the next morning to a soft, warm weight on his chest. Harry's hand was laid on his sternum, his mouth slightly open and one arm and leg thrown over his body. His hair was somehow even messier than usual, and the pacifier he had in his mouth when he fell asleep had somehow disappeared during the night. Asleep, Harry's face looked much younger than usual, and if he didn't know better, Draco would probably guess he was no older than fifteen. The usual tenseness of his face was gone, leaving behind nothing but smooth, soft skin marred only by his scar, which extended from the left upper edge of his forehead, down through his eye, and over his nose like a lightning strike. As he thought about how much younger Harry looked, he realized that the tenseness that aged him hadn't been present at any point the day before, either although Harry had seemed more like a child than the adult he was. Harry by no means looked like a child. In spite of his short, skinny stature and large eyes, he had generally looked around eighteen since sixth year, but somehow, last night, all of that had been erased and replaced with some childlike innocence he'd never seen before. He was pulled from his thoughts when he felt Harry seemingly trying to burrow in his chest, mumbling sleepily. Harry? He kept his voice soft in case the other boy was not actually awake yet. He seemingly needn't have worried as Harry practically threw himself back, away from Draco. Are you alright? I- I'm- fuck, I'm so sorry. Harry's eyes were panicked. What are you sorry for? Draco thought Harry was probably apologizing for something to do with the evening before, but he also wasn't too sure what he had to apologize for. I'm so sorry for last night. You shouldn't... You shouldn't have had to deal with that. Harry still looked panicked. I didn't have to deal with anything. Look, come here, calm down. Draco reached out and pulled Harry closer, guiding him to lay back down and then resting his hand on his upper arm. Now, what exactly do you think you need to apologize for? For... 
for... You shouldn't have had to deal with me when I was like that. I know you didn't sign up for this shit, so I'm just sorry. Harry wished his bed could open up and swallow him so he didn't have to keep looking at Draco's gentle expression. He settled for clamping his eyes shut. I might not have signed up for it, but I would. I'm glad you felt comfortable enough to let me take care of you last night. Draco rubbed his thumb against Harry's arm while his hand was still resting. You don't think it's weird? Harry cracked one eye open, resulting in a ridiculous, screwed-up facial expression. No, of course not. I don't really understand what happened, but clearly it's something that helps you, so of course it's not weird. Draco smiled gently, making his angular face look softer than Harry had ever seen it. I... do you want me to tell you what happened? Harry took a deep breath and held it, waiting for Draco's response. Only if you want to. That wasn't the reply Harry was expecting, but he decided to hell with it and sat up abruptly, crossing his legs under him. Okay, okay, so I see a therapist, and over the summer she was the one who told me what was happening, but there's something called age regression, and it's often a response to trauma, particularly childhood trauma, and it basically means that sometimes I mentally revert to being a kid. It's called being a little, it's... I'm not fully comfortable with it myself yet, but part of what Laura and me are working on is helping me feel more comfortable about it. Sometimes it happens unintentionally, like yesterday when something happens, or sometimes it just happens when I'm on my own, then sometimes I make it happen on purpose because it's sort of nice. I don't know how to explain this properly. Harry spoke more quickly than normal, and Draco had to really focus to understand everything he said. Right, okay, that makes sense. Draco sat up, sitting cross-legged across from Harry, although his far longer legs made the position look almost comical on him, and Harry couldn't help but mentally compare him to a praying mantis. He tried not to laugh at the thought, but he failed fairly quickly. What? Draco asked amusedly. It's just... the way you look with your legs crossed, you look like a praying mantis. Harry howled with laughter as Draco protested loudly, shoving Harry playfully. You little shit. I'll have you know I'm very elegant, nothing at all like an insect. He grabbed one of Harry's pillows and smacked him in the head repeatedly with it, while Harry just continued to laugh, holding his arms up against the attack. Take that back. He straddled Harry, trying to pull his arms away from his face with one hand, while still continuing the friendly assault with the pillow on the other. Harry almost couldn't breathe from laughing so hard. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, he wheezed, before breaking out into another peal of laughter. You are not. Draco discarded the pillow, using both hands to pull Harry's arms away from his flushed face. He suddenly realized the position they were in, and his pale face flamed as he looked down at the man below him. Harry's cheeks were a rich red, his green eyes watery with tears from laughing too much, tiny droplets sticking to his long black lashes, his mouth curved into a grin, and Draco couldn't help himself. He leaned in, pressing his thin lips to Harry's. Harry gasped, immediately kissing back and throwing his arms around Draco's neck. A few minutes later, though, Draco pulled back. Harry? What... what does this mean to you? I... everything. I'm in love with you. 
Draco's eyes widened with shock, and he descended back down, kissing Harry deeply again. I'm in love with you, too, he whispered against his ear, trailing kisses down his cheekbone and back towards his mouth. Wait, so you and Malfoy weren't already dating? Ron looked befuddled, and both Draco and Harry immediately burst out laughing. No, why would you think that? Harry asked through his giggles. Well, you just suddenly started spending loads of time together and whispering all the time, and you've both always been a bit mental about each other. I don't know, it just made sense to me, Ron huffed. Hermione laughed lightly. I suppose that does make sense. And Ron's right, you two have always been a bit... invested in one another. Draco and Harry made eye contact and both lost it, falling against one another as another round of laughter came over them. They had admitted how long they had feelings for one another earlier in the day, so it was rather hilarious to know just how obvious they both had been, and also just how oblivious. They've got us there, love, Draco remarked breathlessly, and that just set Harry off again, tears rolling down his cheeks as he doubled over. So, you and Draco are a couple now? Laura leaned in interestedly. Yeah, for about two weeks now. Harry felt his cheeks staining red. And how is that going? It's great. It's really, really wonderful. He's so... I don't even know how to describe it. I love him so much, and he loves me as well. Harry looked down at his hands, smiling to himself. That's lovely. Does he know about your being a little? Yeah, he actually found out the night we got together... He looked after me when a class made me regress, and the day after is when we got together. Apparently Ron already thought we were dating. You let him look after you? Laura smiled encouragingly. Is he your caregiver, or... Yeah, he is. When we first got together, he spent about a week doing research on littles and how to be a good caregiver, before officially agreeing to be my caregiver. Harry smiled. He knows me really well, though, so he's taken to it better than I ever could have expected. I'm so pleased for you, Harry. You deserve it. 